0: I'm Ryan Satin, and welcome back to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. If you listen to my SmackDown <laughs> Roundup, quick disclaimer, sorry for the downer mood that I was in. I'm much better now, and man, I'm excited to talk about this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, the 30th anniversary episode of... Of Monday Night Raw and it absolutely lived up to the hype. Super fun episode. So much to talk about. So much to dive into. We gotta talk about Brock Lesnar coming back. Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. We gotta talk about Imperium Opposite DX and of course we gotta talk about this epic tribal court of Sammy Zayn So much talk about. Oh, I didn't even bring up Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker. We're going to get to all of it. I promise we're going to dig into every single part of this week's Monday Night Raw, like we do on every Raw Roundup, but like I also enjoy doing on every Roundup. I got to start this week's show off giving a little bit of love to someone who showed some love to me and this podcast on Apple. Podcast. They left a five star review. JJ9984. He said, banger after banger. Love this podcast. With so much WWE on TV, it's hard to always watch this. It's always hard to, uh, excuse me, it's hard to always watch. So this podcast gives me the rundown I need and helps me focus on segments and matches to watch. Also, the Wednesday out-of-character interview is great and gives a great insight to the superstar as an individual. JJ, you rock. Appreciate you saying that very much. I actually, I have had people that say the same thing to me via DM as well about the podcast, about this podcast, the rundowns. And I'm really happy to hear that. I obviously don't enjoy talking to myself. I do this hoping people are listening So when it's giving something to people that they are actually appreciating, it makes me very happy. I'm glad that so many of you are enjoying this podcast. And man, I am in such a good mood. I'm a little overwhelmed. I got a lot happening this week, but I am so excited. Royal Rumble week, man. We're going to be in San Antonio on the ground for the Royal Rumble doing updates throughout the show on WWE, on Fox Social, as we usually do from the big events. I'm also going to be recording some in-person, out-of-character interviews, shooting some stuff for social media, doing it up in San Antonio. If you see me out there, come say what's up. Let me know you listen to this podcast. Take a picture. We high-five. We become best friends. It'll be (laughs) great. Really, so excited for the Royal Rumble. Make sure you check out... All the coverage we have coming your way. I'm also working on something before the Royal Rumble. It's going to be very interesting. Stay tuned. All right, let's get to Monday Night Raw. Enough of me babbling on about my excitement. Let's get to what you came here for. Me talking about Monday Night Raw, the 30th anniversary episode. Huge night. Crazy that Raw has been on for 30 years. I'm sure some of you listening to this podcast right now Raw has been on your entire lives. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's been on for almost my entire life. Also crazy. There's not a lot of shows that have been on my entire life. There's not a lot of shows that have been on your entire life. Some of you listening are maybe a little older than me, so it's a little less time in your lives, but still decades of your life of your lives is a big deal. It's worth it's worth Having a huge show like this for because it was awesome just seeing all the memories of Raw throughout the night and there was a specific video aired that I'm going to get to. But first, the show began with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. Hulk Hogan talked about Raw getting bigger and bigger the last 30 years. His mic kept cutting in and out. Finally, they gave him a good microphone and he dropped his signature catchphrase before walking to the back. Quick. Harmless got him out of there, and then we got into a video that that aired, uh, which showed tons of famous moments in Raw history, and it really reminded me that I don't think I could pick one moment in time that was my all-time favorite Raw moment. Each time I think they were showing one that I'd pick, another would air after that, making me say the same thing. There's just so many of them, so many that just really shaped my fandom as a child, Jericho's debut, Mick Foley winning the title, Tyson and Austin, just like so many big moments, Occupy Raw was one that I loved, there, I just I, there, there's just so many, I'm like, I, I could just sit here listing them one by one, but there's just too many to count, and really when you see that, and you watch a uh, a video like that, that reminds you of just all these things you've seen over the years. You can't help but think of like how lucky we are as wrestling fans to have this escape. If you like pro wrestling, if you like WWE, the fact that we've had it this long in our lives is something that we should be thankful for. You know, I, 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 you know, when I was younger, one of the things that attracted me, to pro wrestling, besides the larger-than-life attitudes, the, the matches, the stories, all that. One of the things that attracted me to it as a, as a big TV watcher, because I watch a lot of TV, unfortunately, and I've been watching a lot of TV since I was a child. I love television. I consume a lot of it. And one of the things that always attracted me to Monday Night Raw and just WWE in general was it was a show that never had an off-season, so I'd have these shows that I'd like, and we'd get, you know, 12 episodes, 24 episodes, I feel like back then it was more like 24 episodes, you know, you get these these 24 episodes or whatever, and, and then it would be gone for a long time, you didn't even know if it was going to come back, but with WWE, it was just never-ending, it, it was always going to be back the next week, and it was something that you can always count on, you know, I often say, that one of the things that got me into covering, excuse me, one of the things that got me into the entertainment industry as a whole was that because I watched so much TV growing up, TV was always there for me when I needed it. You know, if I was in a bad mood, if I was in a sad mood, if I, if I was needed some distraction, TV was there for me. And I always wanted to give that back to people in some way with my work. And with WWE, like man, like there's never, there's no off season. There's you can stop watching if you want for a couple months, a year, jump back into it, get caught up again. Um, it's just this never-ending television show filled with moments that that people are never gonna forget. People, some people, you know, glom onto others things. Some people glom onto this. Some people glom onto that. Some people say this is the best. This is something I loved. I watched this era. But there's just like this collective thing where we've all had raw for this long to watch on TV. It's something to marvel at at the end of the day. And, and this video did a really good job of showing just how cool it is that we've had something like this for 30 years. Next, all right, this was this was a big segment. There's going to be a lot of recap here up front just because a lot happened here. And that is the tribal court. Of Sammy Zayn, the bloodline come out for this. There's a table in the ring. Roman, of course, sat at the head of the table with Solo and Paul Heyman standing behind him at his sides. The Usos sat on one side of the table, Sammy alone on the other. And Heyman immediately went in on Sammy saying, ECW is dead. And I wish the same for Sammy Zayn. Before claiming that Sammy has been working them the whole time playing a game with Kevin Owens to eventually turn on them so Paul goes on to present oh excuse me thought I had my notifications silenced but you guys know me I'm terrible at that but now they are both off my phone and my computer uh Heyman goes on to present four pieces of footage that he says prove Sammy is guilty as charged after they're done Sammy says he had a defense planned but didn't take into account how he'd feel hearing the prosecution and that what Paul just said hurt him a lot. Sammy says it hurts that the bloodline doesn't see his loyalty, but the fans do, which got a big reaction from the crowd. Continuing just to play into the crowd, continuing to make them want to see Sammy Zane one-up the bloodline, they're they're, they're cheering him more, it continually happens, uh, it's just so organic, fantastic how they are just, they're just playing every single hand to perfection, because you got Sammy here, so sad as he's watching all this happen, so dejected, so hurt from everything Paul Heyman said, can't believe that Heyman, after all the shmooleys and the hugs and the friendly pats on the back and all the fakeness, that he still is saying this about him to his face, no less. So Sammy says, my defense is that I have no defense. And he sits down looking dejected. uh, and angry Roman Reigns responded to this by saying, you got so much ego you can't even argue for this and he exploded just screaming finally has had it. a glimpse of what it, what everyone was expecting what everyone is expecting to happen at some point we finally got a glimpse of what it's gonna look like if the bloodline turn on Sammy because he explodes and he calls for solo to handle it solo goes over to Sammy. Sets him up for the Samoan spike. Sammy doesn't react. Sits there ready to take it. Does not want to fight back against the bloodline. He's ready to make the sacrifice for what he believed in. But before that Samoan spike can hit the neck of Sammy's Zane, Jay jumped to his defense. He stops solo. Plays his own footage showing multiple instances of Sami Zayn helping the bloodline these last few months, and ending with his turn on Kevin Owens at War Games. When they cut back, Sami is in tears, just just Emmy award-winning tears here watching the video, moved that the guy who was against him this whole time, who he finally turned, is now the one defending him, and defending his honor in the bloodline, sweet, Sweet story here. I'm um, chefs kissing at all of this because, like I said earlier, playing every hand perfectly, taking into account every single part of this story and making it count so that the fans care and the fans care about this story. Finally, Roman gives a verdict of not guilty to Sami Zayn for now. He said to thank Jay because he bought him more time. And in the meantime, finish out tonight, make the bloodline proud. And then he doesn't want to see Sammy until the Royal Rumble. That's where Sammy will deliver his final test to show where his allegiances lie. Oh, what a segment. But but this just further enhances my theory of what I've been saying. If you've been listening to these podcasts for a while... I think Sammy's going to be the one that turned way back when I said I think that the bloodline is going to be holding Sammy Zane, excuse me, is going to be holding Kevin Owens down, preferably Roman Reigns holding Kevin Owens down, telling Sammy to hit the Huluva kick on Kevin Owens to help him win the match, holding him down. And when Sami Zayn runs towards him with the Huluva kick, he hits Roman Reigns instead. Now, my only trouble here is that I I don't think Kevin Owens is going to win the title, the the Undisputed Universal title. But I do think there's a world where it's possible he gets a rematch... I don't know i'm thinking this out i've been trying to figure this out in my mind but i just think that it's possible that he gets a rematch for the wwe championship maybe it ends in dq because sammy does that i don't know i just think that sammy is gonna be is gonna kick roman in the face instead of kevin that's going to be the moment. That's what I feel like the moment's going to be. How how the rest of it plays into it around it, I don't know, but I keep leading back to that. And When Roman said that Sammy will deliver his final test, uh, or that, that 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 Roman will deliver his final test to see where his allegiances to see where Sammy's allegiances lie. At Royal Rumble. I feel like that's going to be it. That's going to be the moment. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, but this segment itself, man, just like perfect. Perfect freaking segment. I don't care how long it went. Yeah, it was long. But you know what? This was the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. And there have been plenty of long segments. And this one, with how great it was on every level, playing in to months worth of stories, setting up possible WrestleMania stuff, setting up what, you know, a big, big uh, lure for um, Raw Rumble. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot that was happening in this, and there was such good acting happening within it as well. Sami Zayn just can't cannot praise the guy enough for how he has sold so much of this story with just his reactions, his facial reactions. Um, Roman Reigns, the way he's finally losing his cool, just everything about this is top notch. I am so excited to see where this story goes. I cannot freaking wait. I can't wait. Uh let's before before I wrap up fully on this uh Sami Zayn stuff. After that it was the Usos versus Judgment Day raw tag team title match. Balor gets ejected from the match early on. Jimmy Uso then hits an outside dive and appeared to be injured. The ref throws up an X and Jimmy gets t- starts being taken to the back. Pierce comes out says that if Jimmy has to forfeit, the Usos will forfeit the tag team titles. So Sammy gets on the mic and offers to take his place saying Sammy Uso is good to go. One more Uso is in action. Pierce accepts this while the rest of the bloodline is shown watching with interest from the back. Sammy... Hit- excuse me, Sammy hit a wild dive over the ropes after this where he almost hit his head on the table. Maybe he did hit his head on the table, um, but he still got up and continued on. Then the finish saw Sammy and Jay hit the 1D on Dominic for the win. This was spectacular. I loved how the crowd was so firmly behind Sammy and Jay as a team and how Sammy kept saving the titles for the Usos. Just masterful in how this was mapped out had the crowd eating out of the palm of their hands sammy's wrestling in jeans and and shoes the crowd's buying into the fact that the usos might lose one of their belts judgment day trying to continually use the numbers with rio ripley giving them an advantage and getting into the ring Repeatedly, not sure why she wasn't eliminated when Dominic or ejected when uh, Finn Balor was. Not going to get too deep into that, because really, I don't want to get into the weeds on this one. It was just really entertaining. I haven't been this invested in the outcome of a storyline since Daniel Bryan's quest for the title at WrestleMania 30. I want Sammy to come out of this on that same level, because he deserves to be looked at in the same light. To many people, Daniel Bryan at that time was, I think, still considered to be one of the best wrestlers on the face of the earth. And genuinely, I think Sami Zayn is one of them as well, especially when it comes to character work and just getting people invested in his character, dude. Like That character is something that's evolved over the years, but people continually are behind him. And it's partly because he is also one of the best wrestlers in the world. Even if he's not wrestling, you know, balls to the wall at all times, the man's brain for the business is, there's just, he's on another level. He's on another level. And the fact that we're finally getting to see him in, in a storyline of this magnitude, getting to be so involved and show that in such a big way i don't know how this is gonna end i don't know how i, I don't know at this point honestly i don't know if winning the tag team titles with kevin owens at wrestlemania is enough i think <laughs> i think at some point he's gonna have to win the world title that's it i don't know when i don't think it's before wrestlemania i don't know if it's right after i don't know But I think that it needs to happen. That's how much momentum he could get out of this. I think that 95% of the the viewing audience would fully be on board for Sami Zayn winning a world title in the very near future. And I know that throws a curveball into things. And that's why I mentioned Daniel Bryan because it's the only other time I can think of in recent memory where such a curveball was thrown just based off of someone's momentum with the fans. So I'm really excited to see where this is going to go because like I was saying, every hand has been played perfectly, but you can, you know, you can be in the world series of poker and play every hand perfectly and fail on that last hand. (laughs) And it all comes crashing down. So the ending moment is the big moment. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see what they do. Next, Baron Corbin and JBL tried to get into the poker game backstage, but the doorman, a.k.a. the Godfather, says he's not on the list. JBL asked to speak with the guy running the game, and out comes, uh, excuse, out comes uh, Ron Simmons. I wrote the wrong name down here. <laughs> and out comes Ron Simmons from the old APA office door. They, uh, Godfather and Ron Simmons Keep calling Corbin a stooge, but then Baron offers a bunch of money and gets let into the game where a bunch of current and former stars are hanging out. More of that throughout the night. Next, we got LA Knight in the ring, and he begins talking about not being scared of Bray Wyatt or the Firefly Funhouse. He then challenges any legend to come out and get a preview of the pitch black match when suddenly undertaker's music hits that was sick that was a dope moment he's talking about the pitch black match boom gong lights out then the music changes to american badass and taker comes out on his motorcycle smart to have him as american badass going forward the undertaker character has been retired they've done all these documentaries we've seen the real person behind the undertaker I think it makes a lot more sense to have him be intimidating, biker-taker going forward. This was very entertaining. We had L.A. Knight freaking out as Undertaker rides to the ring on his motorcycle while American Badass is playing. L.A. Knight then gets on the mic and says he heard what Taker said about the locker room being soft these days, but he doesn't fall under that umbrella. Says he'll give Taker a pass, though, and let him enjoy retirement So he starts walking back up the ramp, going back on his challenge to the Legends. The lights go out again, though, and Bray Wyatt's music plays. Wyatt appeared behind L.A. Knight and caught Knight between he and The Undertaker. Bray Wyatt walked towards Knight, making that gap smaller and smaller, so Knight had no choice but to get in the ring. Taker caught him in a chokeslam position, but before hitting that, Wyatt got into the ring, too, so Taker throws L.A. Knight over to Bray Wyatt, who hits his finisher. Taker and Wyatt stared each other down afterward, and then Undertaker whispered something in his ear and left on his motorcycle. This was sick. Oh, this was sick. I mean, first, I just wanted to add a cool note here that I pointed out on social media. I thought it was super cool that there was this moment here, because I've been watching you know, I used to watch championship wrestling, from Hollywood. I still do. And uh, when when he was uh, when LA Knight was Sean Ricker on there, he was managed by Percy Pringle, aka the, uh, aka Paul Bear, who managed obviously the Undertaker. So I thought that that was a nice little cool connection between them. I'm not sure if that factored into why they were working together, but very cool nonetheless. Just a nice little bit of connection between the two of them. Obviously, there's connection between Bray Wyatt and the Undertaker, and that little whisper afterwards was pretty cool. Felt like almost like a passing of the torch in some aspect, um, and I felt like you know seeing the two of them stare each other down, even though they're both uh, not going to wrestle each other, uh, was just so dope. It was one of those moments where you could just feel the power between them. You could feel that just electricity that 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 we always speak of. You could feel it when they are opposite in the ring from each other. Um, made you want to see them wrestle. I know they're not going to, but it made you want that. Um, I'm I, I'm not sure if you know I'm not sure if something is supposed to be made of the fact that there was that whisper. We don't really know because WWE Social did point out that, you know, there was some sort of whispering going on there that said, what did Undertaker say? Um, I don't know if they're gonna dig into that further, but I thought it was cool that Undertaker quote tweeted that video and said, "Moments define this industry, and this one was special. It was, it was. This was really cool. Um, I'm glad that you know Undertaker didn't just like choke slam Bray Wyatt. And we're, we're back to where we were uh, <laughs> when they feuded again. I think that it was better to do this and almost like make it seem like, all right, this is your time now." Um, And really, I think a lot of people felt like he could have been the Undertaker for a long time to come as it was, but then just kind of things didn't work out that way, and now they are starting to get back more on that path, and and it's really cool to see. So I really, really, really enjoyed this segment with LA Knight, Undertaker, and Bray Wyatt. Following this, we were back to the poker game. DDP and Medusa are playing with Alpha Academy and Corbin. Then we're shown the cage coming down for Becky versus Bailey. We thought we were getting Becky Lynch versus Bailey here in a cage match, but Damage Control attacked Becky before she could enter the cage, and the numbers got the best of Lynch. The group then locked themselves in the cage with Becky and went to work. Adam Pearce finally broke his way into the cage As Damage Control climbed to the top to celebrate their attack. But no match. No contest. That's all we got out of this. And I gotta say, I was a little bummed. I was looking forward to this match. It was built up well. People on social media were hyped. People were talking about it. People thought this match was going to steal the show. And instead, we got nothing really. And still no word of either being in the Royal Rumble, which I find surprising. I mean, there have only been a few people announced for the Women's Royal Rumble, so I assume they would have to be in it. Um, Maybe this is to build up, maybe the, the surprise is like when Becky comes out now and gets her revenge on all of them, maybe, I don't know. But I didn't love this cage match not happening. I didn't love the bait and switch here. I think we were all excited to see this match. And I noticed the overwhelming sentiment on social media was that of being bummed. And I think I agree with them. But I understand this was a big show. A lot was happening, a lot to jam into one episode, even with three hours. So it is what it is. We still got good matches. We had DX make their entrance next with Kurt Angle. Rodog did his opening intro. Oh, yeah, I said Kurt Angle. We'll get to that. Uh, Rodog did his opening intro, and when they got to Billy Gunn, they realized it was Kurt Angle there instead, so they asked what he was doing there. Angle simply said he always wanted to be in DX. (laughs) Triple H then did his are you ready thing, but they got interrupted by Imperium. Imperium talked about the group being degenerates and making a mockery of the sport. And then Triple H got in Gunther's face, but quickly relented, reminding everyone that he's retired. HBK said the same thing. X-Pac said he's got shin splints, and Rodog didn't even try to give an excuse. DX offered up Kurt instead, but he also declined. Thankfully... Seth Rollins and Street Profits answered the challenge, and Teddy Long made it official from the top of the ramp. And after this, Kurt Angle was made the special guest referee, and the match was on. Man, I gotta say, when I was watching this, as you see these people all staring each other down, I couldn't help but think of how awesome some of these matchups would have been. Just, just three on three, we had. You know, standing apart from each other, we had Imperium, and then we had X-Pac, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. Imagine just that match. Imagine those six guys in a six-man tag match. How dope that would have been, or how dope that could be, if if that could have been a possibility back in the day. I mean, obviously, ages, you know what I mean. But that would have been a sick match. Then when you go one step further, And you go Triple H versus Gunther. Think of how sick that would have been. Those two guys would have had a battle for the frickin' ages, dude. Would have been awesome just to see those two guys just beating the crap out of each other. And then, going one step further, think of how epic Shawn Michaels in his prime versus Gunther would be. Oh, the super kicks, the chops, the slams, the taunts, the intensity, just everything about it would have been so sick. Oh, The things that could have been. We also had Kurt Angle getting face-to-face with Gunther at one point in the match itself, which took place after that, Imperium versus Seth Rollins and Street Profits. And think of that. Think of that. The Olympic... Hero against Gunther. Oh, just... It makes me sad that I don't have, like, a magic wand that I can use to magically take away any injuries these people have so that they could be whole again in their prime wrestling these matches. Just to think of how awesome they would have been. The Just... One of those dream matches that'll never happen, but I'll think about them. I think out of all three of those, let's just go with the three against Gunther. HBK, Triple H, Kurt Angle. I wonder which one of those I'd want to see the most. Like prime of each of those guys against Gunther. I think it would be... I think it would be... I want to say Kurt Angle I think it would be Kurt Angle I yeah I think it would be Kurt Angle but Shawn Michaels that's tough that's tough because Shawn Michaels could really make that match just oh so good I mean Triple H of course too but HBK just continually trying to take down that monster all right I'll stop sorry I'll stop dreaming I gotta talk about this show Um, rather than point out a bunch of spots in this match, I just want to talk about how enjoyable it really was. It made me remember how much better the shows can be when all the best talent is on every show. I mean, this whole entire episode was jam-packed with all the best people in WWE, and it was firing on all cylinders from the moment it began Well, right after that, until the moment it finished. And it was a really entertaining show. And this was probably the match of the night, um, just because of how much talent was involved in it. Um, Crowd just going crazy. Um, Just everybody just really, you know, I don't know. Sami Zayn versus the Usos versus Judgment Day was really good, too. But I like this. (sighs) It's tough. Uh, they were both awesome guys don't make me choose between the two how about that how about i just say they were both six stars and we move on they weren't but you know what i mean i enjoyed both of them a lot um and it just makes me think like i said about how much better the shows are when it's just jam-packed with all the best talent trying to put on the absolute best show a talent a show that's what we got here um town down that's later in the show but we'll get there uh <laughs> i loved rollins hitting the angle slam and the pedigree during this match i also had no problem with imperium losing uh, gunther wasn't really like made to look weak or anything uh, and he wasn't even the one who took the pin uh, i was i believe it was uh, uh vinci so uh yeah, i believe it was vinci so i don't think there was any problem i don't think it's a uh, Any burial, I don't think that it's uh, anything like that. I I think that Imperium got the rub here by being in the ring with DX. They got to do their thing being the wrestlers, uh, making fun of DX. And so, yeah, I I, I liked this. I thought it was good for everyone involved. Nice addition to this week's show. Uh, I also laughed that Seth Rollins was, was there to help DX after there was that moment from the the raw reunion is that what it was when all the click was in the ring and they're hugging and there's that funny photo of seth rollins standing beside them looking all sad so funny little throwback to that uh corbin won a bunch of money in the poker game after this but irs showed up and took a bunch of it of course kathy kelly interviewed lashley about his upcoming u.s title match And he was once again approached by MVP. Lashley said he didn't need MVP's help becoming number one contender and to let him handle his own business tonight. Yep. Yeah. All right. We're all still on the same page there. We'll talk about uh, Lashley. We'll talk about this Hurt Business stuff. We'll we'll talk about MVP at the end of the show, but there's a bigger storyline to discuss with it on the whole. So... I'll hold off here hold off till after the u.s title match first we had rick flair come out for a quick promo about the 30th anniversary of raw and then introduced his daughter charlotte flair charlotte talked about how monday night will always be her home and then she got interrupted by bianca belair who obviously took umbrage with this saying this is her show now sonia deville interrupted the two of them. And Charlotte challenged Bianca to handle it, since this is her show now. So that's what we got. Bianca Belair versus Sonya Deville. This was a fairly standard match that saw Bianca defeat Sonya after hitting the KOD. And then after the match, Bianca got on the mic and said that she didn't forget about Alexa Bliss at the Royal Rumble. And that Alexa can bring Uncle Howdy, Bray Wyatt, or whoever. But she's still going to walk out as champion quick water. Uh, Alexa is then shown on the Titantron in front of a mirror saying she doesn't need Uncle Howdy or Bray Wyatt to tear Bianca's face open with her bare hands. now, Now I'm taking that drink of water. When I heard Alexa talking about tearing Bianca's face open with her bare hands, I was thinking about watching The Last of Us show. You guys watching that show? Reminded me of That weird monster we saw on the show this week with like his his, his face was split open. Whatever their, him, her, their face was like split open with like a weird flower fungi on it. It was real weird. Didn't know what to make of those. But that's what I thought of when Alexa said this. Um, not a ton here. Um, good to have Charlotte Flair there for the 30th anniversary. She has been a big part of Monday Night Raw in this current generation. Um... Made sense with Ric Flair there for the same reason. Um, Also, you know, of course, Bianca Belair is going to have a problem with this. Uh, So it didn't, yeah, this was harmless. It it didn't obviously stand out among all the other big things happening on this show. But still an entertaining, uh, you know, few segments nonetheless. Charlotte baby-facing with Bianca was interesting, really trying not to play heel opposite Bianca, even though that's what she's kind of always done with her. Uh, and even though she was giving her some sarcasm, uh, she was still being lighthearted to play into the fact that she's a baby face now. Sonia Deville continues to get involved in, in this to see if she... I, I don't think she's going to get a title match at the Royal Rumble. Uh, so I'm not sure where this is going necessarily. Uh, but good for her to get more screen time, smart to add something between Alexa Bliss, uh, you know, something in the show between Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair to remind people of that match. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of just surprised that we didn't see Uncle Howdy again, considering he was there for the last time Alexa Bliss was on screen, kind of helping Alexa Bliss out. But also it makes sense since we had Bray Wyatt oh, excuse me since we had Bray Wyatt on this show to not go too hard into the Uncle Howdy stuff right I think that makes sense. I think that I think that's fair I think that's fair on what I'm thinking here. Next we had another Cody video being shown where he talked about wanting to win the Royal Rumble in the video he said being in the ring is like oxygen. And I really need to breathe again. That was a sick line. That sounded awesome. That was like perfect for a comeback video. Being in the ring is like oxygen, and I really need to breathe again. You're like, oh, yeah, money. That's money. That's the son of Dusty Rhodes, baby. That's how I felt watching that. I felt also in watching this, and with the way the show has been built up, and the vignettes that we've had with him, and Seth not having a ton of, you know, involvement. You know, he's not, he, he was involved with the United States title and he said he was going to see theory there. Um, but then he's kind of like backed away from that and he came back to action and he's wrestled since. Um, I could see, you know, his. I think what's going to happen is Cody is going to be number 1 in the rumble and Seth is going to be number 2 or vice versa Seth's number 1 in the rumble and Cody's number 2 and this is the final continuation of their story from what they were doing before because Cody has said he's not focused on Seth anymore when he comes back he wants to focus on what he came back for came back at WWE for that's winning the world title Seth is obviously not on that same page, uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense for those to be the number one and number two competitors in the Royal Rumble. That's what I think is going to happen. Next, we had The Miz in the ring uh, to complain about not being included in the show, but he got interrupted by Kevin Owens climbing into the ring and hitting him with a stunner. Owens took the mic and said, Roman Reigns is guilty of holding the WWE title hostage for over two years now. Owens then promised to do everything he can to change that on Saturday, saying, I'm taking that title from you, or I'm going to die trying. And then he hits one more stunner on Miz before leaving the ring. So, if you listened to my depressing SmackDown podcast last week, The Roundup, uh, which I apologize again for. I was in a mood. Uh, if you listened to that and you made it all the way through, you heard that I wasn't like necessarily thrilled with the last Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns contract signing thing. And I said that it was because I wanted to hear Kevin Owens speak more. I wanted him to drop some fire on the mic. And that's what we got here. This is what I was looking for at the contract signing. Yes, Kevin Owens looked like a badass at the contract signing because he just took out the bloodline, signs the contract, tosses the the contract to Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn catches it. Everything works out perfectly. Everyone looks cool. But this is what I wanted. I wanted to feel the passion from Kevin Owens. I wanted to feel how badly he wants to win the world title. And furthermore, in watching this promo, Kevin Owens did not say, that he wants to win the Undisputed Universal Championship. He said he wants to win the WWE title. He wants to win the WWE Championship. It makes me think that there is a possibility, the slightest possibility, that that Roman Reigns does lose the WWE Championship before... Wrestlemania yeah I said that not both titles though just the WWE championship because I can't help but notice that they're setting up people talking about only one title again they got the Raw and Smackdown tag team titles and separate tag title matches Now Kevin Owens is saying he wants the WWE title. He's not saying he wants the Undisputed Universal Championship. He's saying he wants the WWE title. Am I crazy for thinking that there's a possibility that Roman Reigns loses just the WWE Championship before WrestleMania? Is that crazy to think? And then at WrestleMania, he loses the Undisputed Universal Championship, and that's the one he's held for the long reign does that take away from someone possibly beating roman reigns at wrestlemania for the title does it take away from that too much to do before that's my big question i think it's possible but it does kind of take away from that big moment if it if roman reigns loses one of the titles a month before that's the thing i can't really get past because i keep saying it'd be great if Sammy did the boot setup that I keep talking about, he boots Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens hits a stunner, he beats he beats Roman Reigns and he wins just the WWE championship and he and he walks into WrestleMania with that. Or he he it's Sammy who does that before. Sammy becomes just WWE champion after turning on the Bloodline. And then maybe Cody dethrones Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? But if that were to happen, does it take away from the big moment? And also, I think since Cody's on Raw, he would have to be the one that takes away just the WWE championship. How do we get around this? I'm talking in circles here. I don't have a definitive answer. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself here out loud. I mean, I guess you have you could have Cody win the Rumble and then Cody beats Roman for just the – he's the one that beats him for just the WWE Championship at WrestleMania because they'll say he can only challenge for one title and they're not – he's not allowed to challenge for both for the undisputed. He has to pick because he want the Raw or the SmackDown. He picks the WWE Championship. He beats him. And then Sami Zayn beats Roman for the Universal Championship after that. Is that a good compromise? Is that what should happen here? It's a good question. I don't have the answers here. I realize that I'm the analyst and I'm supposed to be giving you the answers of what I think should happen. But there's so many answers here. Here's what I'll tell you in regards to what the answer, in, in regards to my final answer. Watch the Royal Rumble Prediction Show. It's dropping tomorrow. It's me and John Roca. We're talking about each match one by one. Who we think is going to win what. I'll try to have a more finalized opinion by the time that comes out. So make sure you watch it or listen to it. It'll be on this podcast platform or it'll be on WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Lastly, we got a no DQ match for the United States Championship Austin Theory versus Lashley. The early parts of this match took place during the commercial break. But when we came back, Theory cheated a little to get the upper hand. Theory set a chair in the corner. But then Lashley took control and tossed him into it with serious force. In the final minutes of the match, Lashley put Austin in... Excuse me. Hiccups here. Terrible time to get hiccups while podcasting. Uh, Lashley put Austin in the hurt lock, but Theory hit him with a low blow. Lashley then hit Austin with a massive spine buster through a table, but suddenly Brock Lesnar reemerged and walked to the ring. Brock hit an F5 on Lashley, then an F5 on Theory that landed him on top of Lashley for the pin. Theory retains. Brock is back. He's got his sights set on Lashley. Ah, love it. Love it. Love it. All right. This is this is the moment. This is the setup. This is how we get the Hurt Business back. He can handle business on his own. But now that Brock is back, I think he's going to need the Hurt Business. I think Lashley's going to need his boys for some backup to whoop some redneck ass beat up cowboy Brock Lesnar. That's what I think this has all been heading towards and hell freaking yeah. That's what I want to see at WrestleMania. It's what I want to see at WrestleMania. Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, but Lashley flanked by the Hurt Business. We could get months of the build up here between the Hurt Business and and, and Brock, and it'd be sick. It would be the perfect angle to head into WrestleMania with for both Lashley and Brock Lesnar. I am into it. Super into it. This is perfect. Similar thing where they're just playing every hand right when it comes to the next part of the story between Lashley and Brock Lesnar. And including the hurt business this time, very entertaining, perfectly done. I don't have an issue with Brock doing that in this match. I think it's the only way this match really could end. I kind of had a feeling that's where this was going. We know Brock Lesnar is going to be in the Royal Rumble, so it made well. I mean, mainly because he's on the poster, so I guess that's. I guess that's not knowing, but it's a hunch—a very strong hunch—that he's going to be in the match. So. Having them come out before here on Monday Night Raw, the 30th anniversary, was a great way to end the show. Impactful ending. Solid hook to lead you into the Royal Rumble. I know we still got SmackDown, but as far as this being the go-home Raw, could not have done it better. Could not have asked for a better show. Like I said, I'm going to the Royal Rumble, and I'm so hyped, and this show only increased my hype, and that's what you want with a go-home show. You want the people watching to be more excited about the pay-per-view, PLE, excuse me, premium live event, and this is one of the biggest of the year, a huge, huge moment in the Triple H creative era. We're going to see what he's made of when it comes to booking a Royal Rumble match, And, and as he said In this very episode, booking isn't easy. (laughs) So this is going to be a big test. And I think he's going to pass with flying colors. And this show was a great 30th anniversary episode. A show that is filled with moments upon moments upon moments upon moments that are so memorable in wrestling history. So this was a great way to end the show. Just another step and the Brock Lesnar-Lashley build towards WrestleMania. Good stuff. All right, like I said, tomorrow, well, when you listen to this, Tuesday, on Tuesday, we got a Royal Rumble prediction show dropping. Me and John Roca are back talking about who we think is going to win each match, talking about the different... Discussion points. I was going to say talking points, but talking about talking points just didn't sound good. Uh, Discussing the various talking points heading into each, each match. So make sure you either watch or listen to that. I also got something interesting dropping later this week. And as usual, a brand new out of character this Wednesday. A lot happening, so make sure you are keeping your eyes on this podcast feed, on the WWE on Fox social channels, on the WWE on Fox YouTube. You better be glued to all of them because I'm going to be dropping content for all of you. So you better appreciate it. (laughs) All right, I'm out of here. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the WWE on Fox Raw Realm.